Motown Rundown. Today, what is the date today? Today is Friday, December. Unbelievable. We're already in December. Can you believe it? I can't. Do you believe in life after love? Uh, is that Cher? Uh, who is that? Celine that's Dion? Cher. Oh, that's Cher. Cher. I got the, oh. the Kelly Clarkson show on right now. Damn Cher's it. on. Really? Yes, can I you, love Cher. Can you tilt your camera to Cher? I don't even know what Cher looks like. What? Well, you I know what Cher looks like? Actually, I'll look, you're, I'll look it up. I don't know why I just asked you to move your camera. I'll look it up. No, she I don't think I do. Most, she is the most gorgeous, exotic. Looking woman you'll ever see in your entire life. Okay. Oh, Congrats, yeah. Oh, Why I, do you yeah. like? I, try, I actually have no idea who's like the big share head in your family that got you into share. Does your mom like share a lot? No, no. It's Jolene, my cousin Jolene, who's also a diehard Lions fan, who I've mentioned on this podcast before, and she was a share head. Shout out to her. Yes, she got me into share during COVID. Okay, share is good. I'm it. gonna have to go ahead and clear my search history after looking at the picture <laughs> of that woman. Jesus. Well, she's in her seventies now. Ah, uh, who? All right, cool. Late eighties, she was cream TV. of the crop. Whatever, I'm not. I don't. I'm not here to judge. 80s, she was cream of the crop. <laughs> I say that judge. like I was around in the eighties and not negative twenty, oh. but whatever. Um, it's been a it's been a minute. It's been a minute since we've talked. Um, hand up, Trent and I. We, Trent and I ripped off a thirty minute Thanksgiving episode to just to preview the Lions game that I completely forgot to post on our social media. So um, bad bounce. But we're back at full strength. We have Collins back. Uh, I don't think we've talked since Thanksgiving, right? So we can start there. How is everyone's Thanksgiving? It's nice. I, other than that, the Lions, I like literally wanted Dan Campbell fired after the game and ruined my, like, ruined from like 12 to 3. I was really upset. And then I was like, okay, whatever. I can focus on eating. But uh, yeah, frustrated, but. I mean, it's Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It's like the best holiday when you're grown up. Like Christmas is great when you're a kid and stuff, you get all the presents and you got to do all that. But like Thanksgiving, you got no responsibilities. You can drink and eat as much as you want. No judgments. It's great. My Thanksgiving was very interesting in that uh, my parents went down to see Miles in Nashville. So Brock and I were here. We went to the Lions game. And that is that's all my Thanksgiving consisted of. I did not eat turkey. I did not eat mashed potatoes. I did not eat anything other than peanuts at Ford Field and drink beer. That's what I did. And it was fantastic. I loved every second of it. You didn't get, a, you didn't get stop and get something in Detroit? Well, we stopped and got Buffalo chicken wraps at a trucker stop later. So that was, that was that was good. Yes, I'm telling you, it was the most ass-backwards Thanksgiving you'll ever hear about. But it was fun. We made no, it. It would have been much better with a win. Stop. Well, not at the trucker stop, but one of those, you know what I'm talking about? One of those yeah, gas stations. Yeah, okay. I was supposed to be like, what? Like a Loves or something. Oh, okay. No. I get you. That is a <laughs> no, trucker not stop. Like, not like, yeah, well, that's like the point of this for like the truckers or road trips, you know? They got, yeah. they got like showers in there. It's unreal. Raps, how was your Thanksgiving? Let's get that. Let, let's, let's get that on the record. Thanks. Um, my Thanksgiving was good. Uncle Steve was in town from Arizona. It was unfortunate that we could not connect at the Lions game, Trent. But we were so I live I live if there's no traffic, I'm probably a good 30 minutes door to door from my house to Detroit in general. Like if in the area, let's call it Woodward. And we left our house at 10 a.m. sharp. We didn't walk in the stadium till like probably noon i could legitimately sitting in traffic for two hours and if you're if you live in the state of michigan and you've been in a car at all in the last 
I don't know, year. There's there is construction on every single road and highway in the entire state. And most of the time, there's no one even out there working. There's just barrels that are lined up to block off lanes for no reason. And I've actually liked, I, I, I feel like I've seen more and more people revolting against this because as I drive on a weekly, on a daily to weekly basis, I see more and more cones like destroyed and run over because I think people are just starting to get pissed off and are just running, running things over now, which is great. I don't understand what's going on. I, I really don't get it. But um, so that was that it took us two hours to get there. We got home. We flew home, which was amazing. But um, the game was was fun. I guess we'll talk about we'll talk about that later. Honest to God, though, and I was telling Trent this on the Thanksgiving episode, if anyone was able to find that because it didn't get posted. But it is on Spotify, which we do record on every single week. Um Going to the Lions game on Thanksgiving is an awesome tradition. I get it. It's fun. But there's just something about being able to wake up on Thanksgiving morning. You know, most people are probably hung over a little bit because you're going out with your friends from your hometown the night before. And there's just something about being able to wake up on your own time and roll out of bed and turn the TV on at 1220 and watch the Lions game. And you can see the food getting made and, you know, people are cooking in the kitchen and, you're maybe snacking a little bit here and there throughout the day, and you get to watch the game from the comfort of your couch. I There's just something about, I didn't want to get up early. You go down there, you're fighting traffic, you're, there's, it's packed, and then as soon as you get home, like everyone's already sitting down to eat dinner. It just, it's just weird. I just, I don't know. I don't. I don't I'm going to be honest, Rabs, I completely disagree with you. As someone who's done both, I love the wake up and let's just go to Detroit after the night of just the night before usually pretty banged up. I love like, Hey, let's get down there, have a couple beers and then we'll go into the game. I love that. And then what's even better is if you somehow are able to play it this way, where you're going to someone's Thanksgiving after the lions games. So you, you, you get back and it's like, okay, time to eat right when you get in the door. That's the best. I love that. I have been on record as just not much of a Thanksgiving guy as it is. Which but... is an awful take. It is literally a terrible Well, take. I mean, the food's not good at all. So I, I it's mean... a better... By the way, Thanksgiving true. Day is arguably a top five sports day of the year. I would agree. I don't disagree. I love watching There's football. There's college basketball and football on all day. Yeah, I don't I I really do enjoy that part of it. I just I don't I, I don't necessarily enjoy the cuisine of the Thanksgiving meal. I just, I just don't like it. Okay. That just is what it is. I don't know what the, well, it's a bad take. I, what do you want me to tell you? I don't like green like, beans. You should like, I don't like cottage cheese. I don't like the Thanksgiving. Cottage meal. cheese. Is that what, is that the first fucking thing you have to say about Thanksgiving? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm saying like, there's certain foods that certain people don't eat. Don't like, you don't like I get chocolate. That. Collins, I get that. Raz, so like, but I get not being like a turkey guy or whatever. I'm just saying. The whole aspect and vibe of Thanksgiving is great. It is great. Yeah, well, here's the thing. At least Rabs knows that's a bad take of his. Like, at least you know that's a bad take. You're just no, like, I don't. I you're don't. Just true to it. You're, you're no, true to I it. And that's how you live. I don't think it's a bad take. It's just my opinion. It's my opinion. I I would I love Christmas. The Christmas I, and, season, the Christmas music, the Christmas day, the church, the presents, the dinner. Well, yes, that's what I like. Th- that, that's the thing. I think that people mess up with is they think that it's like you're either one or the other you're either thanksgiving or christmas and i don't know if it's because they're packed together like that within two months but 
You can be I, both. You can love both. I obviously, but the thing with Christmas, I like the food on Christmas better. And and someone's gonna be like, but why do you like Thanksgiving so much? It is like it is an excuse to do nothing. It is it's used to drink. You don't have and by the way, raps at church. I'm sorry, going I, I I'm not saying like this. I'm a I'm a Catholic. I'm not saying this against the church. Going to Christmas Mass and is one of the worst things ever. It's so crowded. You got all the casual <laughs> Catholics out there. I'm sure that'll bode for you well later in life with you having said it that. has nothing to do with the sermon or anything. I'm saying the whole aspect of you're you're crowded in the back pew with all your family. It's hot in there. The coat situation's always a mess. <laughs> it's the worst time of year to go to church. It's Easter and Christmas. The casual Catholics come out. I'm just saying. But it's the two most important holidays. Obviously. That's why they come out. I'm just saying it is a brutal, it could be a brutal experience in the church. I'm just saying. I can okay, see that. Us enough. Methodists don't understand. I, I guess I don't understand as a Methodist, but I, I do understand from, uh, you, you described that well, Collins. I, I like have, what is, not, what, I, is yeah. a, what is a Methodist? Like, what do you guys do? What are you guys all about? Um, We're very methodical. <laughs> <laughs> what the, Trent, well, what's your angle? Like, let's do a, History of religion podcast. Well, it's the World Cup. Well, we can talk about that too. But what's I, our angle? Here's here's what, the angle. What's your angle oh, as we, a method? We don't kneel to pray, and we You're don't good. kneel to pray, and we pray to God. We don't pray to saints. That's basically what it is. Gotcha. You don't. I don't kneel to pray either. Well, I do. I do. I kneel to pray. You don't pray to saints. Do we pray to saints, Collins? What is he talking about? Yeah. Who? Name one. When you Moses? do the Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Mary is a saint. All right. Anyway, moving on. I don't know. Well, I don't yeah, know I, like I'll pray to Saint Anthony to find my shoes. Like there's a patron saint of all these different of activities. The patron saint of shoes. No, and then Anthony's the one. If you're like you forget something, uh, he's oh yeah, the, like Saint Christopher. Yeah, something like that. No, Saint Nick. Oh, Santa. Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. Santa Claus. Um, okay, sweet history lesson. Should we talk World Cup, Trent? Because this is something that you're like pretty invested in, and I can yeah, I have I mean, some takes just, you're not gonna like. Are you either, not but... invested in it, Rebs? I'm pretty no, 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 no. Nope. Did we talk about this last week, Trent? We did, didn't we? We did, we did, and I shut you down because we were starting to like run run low on time, but you were you, you were oh, not yeah. Rabs hates the World Cup, basically. I don't I hate, hate the soccer. World Cup. Rabs hates, World he hates Cup. soccer. He hates soccer. That's what he hates. I don't hate the World Cup. I don't think that I would say that I hate soccer anymore. It was always fun as a kid that grew up playing, like, actual real sports, like football and hockey and, like, things that you had to, you know, kind of be a little bit of a man to play. It was always fun when you go, oh, soccer sucks. Soccer's for wussies. Like, that was all. That was, I'm past that point in my life. But I don't I, I don't necessarily like care to like it's hard for me to watch soccer in the same way that it's become harder and harder for me to watch NBA basketball. Um, I would never like sit down and watch a soccer game on my own. I will tomorrow if if no one's around to watch. I will watch tomorrow. Um, but I, I, I just have a hard time being sold on like the World Cup really matters that much because in my lifetime, as someone who is a, a, a proud American, the U.S. is not a good soccer program at all. That's why and it's I, so exciting, dude. It's exciting because they stink. 
No, it's no, exciting because they, they, they made it okay, out of the group dude. stage. No, I was I watched that game. I watched that game. I support the United States of America. I actually sat down and watched that. But what I'm saying is, is it's not like we're Argentina or Brazil or Spain or these countries that legitimately live and die by soccer. Like the United States of America is an American football dominated country with all these other sports like your hockey and basketball and baseball that people get really, really invested in elsewhere. It's like all soccer all the time. So for honest, those countries, dude. I get it. It, it. it it matters a ton. The United States will never win a World Cup in our lifetime. I hope you guys know that. And I made the comment. If they would have lost, I'm not a hater. I'm just telling you. If the United States would have lost to Iran, 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 whatever, whatever. If they would have lost that game, you soccer in the United States of America would have been dead. Like that was that no, would be the end. dude. That would be the end of it. By the way, by the way, I'm gonna say this out loud, and there are more Premier League American fans than NHL or NBA fans. There's more That's soccer true. fans in the United States of America. Hey, hey, no, rap seriously. Oh, and I think those guys are the biggest full of shit people too, because they act like they actually care, but they love soccer. There's a lot of American soccer fans. I and get it. I, I I disagree with that take, but um, I I love the World Cup. I don't generally like watching soccer when it's because the thing about soccer is they don't have it's so, especially with club soccer. There's so many different championships. There's so many different titles. I don't know exactly what like. It is the goal or what's a good year for these clubs. And there's a bunch of confusing rules no with playoffs. loans and stuff. Yeah. And, and the world cup is this like our country against your country. This is the biggest prize in the sport. So I get jacked for it and I don't love soccer. Don't love watching it. But anytime, this is what used to make the Olympics like for USA hockey, the best, like it's the same type of feeling I have when I watch like anything like this. Cause it's like, Best of best in each country. There's no other event like this. Like, even when we go play the Olympics in basketball, it's super one-sided. Everyone out, it's pretty level playing field in the World Cup for, like, there's four or five countries that are elite and they're going to get to the quarterfinals like every single year. But you never know what's really going to happen because soccer is such a weird sport. So I love, I love the World Cup. So is the World Cup bigger than Olympic gold and soccer? Yes. Yes. All right, I mean, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think uh, adult men's players play in the men's soccer in the Olympics. I could be wrong. USA all the way. I'm. I'm not, what's it called? Aren't you going to a watch party tomorrow? Trent is. Trent, I t- I said that. Oh, can you hear us? Yeah, he's he's moving. I don't. Maybe I don't not. Think... I don't know. I I don't. Trent, do you hear us? My internet's terrible. I'm behind. Uh, How far behind are you? How is your internet well, that think, bad? You I think in... now I'm caught. No, it, it, here's what it happens. It, it slows down and then it it like delays everything and then it makes you guys talk really fast on my. So it's a good oh. thing Collins is recording this. Well, what that radio party? Trent, you are going to a USA watch party. You're dialed in. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm dialed in only for one reason, and that's because Brock loves this shit and we get Brock is really soccer guy? together. Oh, huge! That was his main sport. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, what's it called? Yeah. Uh, it, dude, that was a sick goal by Pulisic. We have like the thing about the U.S. It's like very weird. Our midfield is like very good. Like I, I would say, argue that it's like uh, on caliber with most teams in this tournament. 
we just like don't have a striker, and then we have like random MLS guys who are our subs who stink. Yeah, like the team is constructed pretty funny, actually. Like there, because some of the backups, like a like a Brendan Aronson, for example, is like good enough to start, but he just they kind of use him in like this weird reserve role, and he comes in the Medford Messi. He's the one guy who's hurt that everyone should talk about being like their second best player, and he hasn't played at all. Forget his name, but I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. and it it is like a, it's like a subject of controversy within the U.S. soccer fandom or whatever. But yeah, Eastern Market tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick we're gonna kick some uh. We're gonna kick some Dutch ass. Where's that at? You're you're driving. Hang on. How, you live what three hours away from Detroit? I'm doing the whole weekend in Detroit because Reliance game Sunday. Oh, oh okay. nice. All right. All right. Okay. So if you guys want to grab a few on 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 Saturday night, let me know. I'll be in town. I'll okay, be I'll I be in the I'll be in like motel. Okay. All right. Fuck. I'm we let's fucking talk about the Detroit sport for God's sake. This is I'm exhausted already. Can we do that? Is that yes. fair? Go U.S. tomorrow. Congratulations. Um, well, I guess we can hit all four today, can't we? In some capacity, we can. What do we want to start with? Let's just. I don't. We. I know can we, we get like pistons out of the way. Let's get pistons out of the way. That's a good idea. Um, sure, we can. And, and the reason the, the reason we say get it out of the way is because if you haven't been paying attention, the pistons are absolutely dreadful. They are six and eighteen. They won last night in overtime against Luka Doncic and the Yeah, Dallas I live bet the Mavs plus three. They the, should have the, won too. After after the end of the th- the two minutes left in the third quarter, I live bet the Mavs plus three because I've seen the Pistons. I've seen this story a thousand times, and I'm actually bitter that the Pistons couldn't fucking score at the end of the fourth quarter to just win the game by two, and then they ended up winning by six. So I I'm I think I'm just completely out now. I'm so upset. Yeah, that'll that I mean that'll turn a fan like you completely off. That's hilarious. I I that, like they that that is. I'll be honest. Ridiculous. The one Pistons team I went to this year was when they played the Celtics on Saturday night, and I had Pistons plus eight and a half. Did you watch? I think I texted in the chat. We fouled down seven with twenty seconds left, and then oh, we no. and then we took. Gene Ivey took like a forty footer at the buzzer. I was like, "What are we?" I literally lost my mind. I was like, and they had a you... shot to win that game, but uh, yeah, continue. Sorry. No, I was going to say, you couldn't have been the only person that had that either. That's hilarious. Oh, dude, um, there was a guy right behind me just screaming. I'm like, dude, what are we doing? It was great. That's great. That's, that's great. Um, So really the only thing I wanted to mention was Killian Hayes has really turned it on in the last, I don't know, month or so. Uh, Through the first 11 games of the season, he was averaging three points a game. And in the last 13, he's up to 12. He's up to a dozen points a game. He flirts with a triple-double almost every night. Uh, He's had seven games this season with multiple steals. He's you know, playing hard on the defensive end. He can shoot the three a little bit now. So the reason the Pistons were watchable to me coming into the season and, and, and I was just excited for it was because of your Cade Cunningham's and Isaiah Stewart's of the world and, and of this roster. Those guys are hurt. They've been out. Ivy's been out. Sadiq Bay's been in and out. Uh, Jalen Duran has been out. He's missed time. So it's like that makes them unwatchable because now I got to watch Alec Burks and Bojan Bogdanovich uh, play for this team, which isn't exactly my idea of fun. But I will say uh, the one silver lining in the last month or so, as I just mentioned, has been Killian Hayes seems to have, um, I don't want to say found it because it's a small sample size. Still and we've, not seen, great. I mean, we've seen this shit from him before. And it's also like Cade isn't playing right now. So when Cade comes back in the mix, is that just going to, you know, completely bump Killian back? Uh, backwards and I, I don't know what's going on but hey he had 22 points last night that's a season high for him um 
Pistons beat the Mavs. It's it's just it's good to get a win like that every now and then. But the Pistons are not good. They are no, the worst. I, team. What's the They're literally the worst team in the NBA. And the reason why, Kid Cunningham is not hurt, by the way. Yeah, no, they're tanking. They're tanking. They yes. are 100%. Like, it, they're like, oh, Cade might be out for the year with a shin thing. He might get surgery on it. Yeah, like, and that doesn't exist. And then the next day, there's, like, a video of Cade Cunningham doing a workout at the facility. And I'm like, uh. Well, is that not, can I ask something? Like, why is that the case that. You have a young guy who's in his second year in the league, and you're not going to play him at all to tank. Is I that not the most fast, backwards thing ever? There's some. I think there's some substance to his injury. He's probably there is, out. but I think he probably should be out. Like, because the original diagnosis was like out for what, like two weeks. Yes, he's and we've probably, now hit that. Like they probably got reevaluated, and it wasn't right. So they're like, okay, we're going to sit you down for another, like, two weeks. And the Pistons are looking at the record. They're like, we're going to be shit. We probably have the best NBA prospect since LeBron James in this NBA draft. Fuck it. We might as well shelf Cade for at least 35 games. Yeah, no, that was – that was. Uh, he's going to play, I think, at some point this year. But it's going to be at the point where the Pistons are already have a top four thing secured. Yeah, and they're doing the thing where it's like he's seeking a second opinion on his knee. Should he get surgery? That would end the season, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's I don't... not his knee. It's his shin, right? Or his shin. Yes, his shin. My bad. So, yes, it, it is. There is some substance to that, but the way they've handled it is just so clear they're tanking. And the last thing I want to mention on the Pistons, because uh, this is going to be, you know, the biggest storyline for a team that doesn't win a lot of games is Dwayne Casey. I think this is his last year. I don't know if they're going to move him into the front office. I don't know Thank if he wants God. to do something like that. But, yes, he – this is a guy – I say it all the time. He's the coach of the year. They brought him over here to coach Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, Derek Rose, Blake Griffin, and try to win with those guys. All they did, the best they did with that core group – was get an eight seed and get swept by Giannis Antetokounmpo in the Milwaukee Bucks. So, you know, it, since then, the Pistons have completely hit reset, sold everyone. There's not a single player from the 2020 Pistons left on the roster. So it's just, that's where we're at, unfortunately. And Dwayne Casey is just not the guy. I think he's a good coach. I think he knows basketball. I don't think he's the right guy for this young core group. Does that mean that, you know, he can't, take a front office role if he still wants to be a part of the Pistons, like what they're building here, because he definitely does seem invested in that. Um, he could do something like that, but no. we they, they need to bring in some younger blood here, and I don't know if there's an inside guy they like or what, but I think it's pretty clear, Collins, that this is Dwayne Casey's last season with the yeah, Pistons. Yeah, it kind of feels like Blaschel last year. At the end of the year, you're like, okay, they're going to move on. Dead man walking. Yeah, and, and I feel like Casey at the same time is like, I'm good with it. I, I mean, what's it called? I mean, I did they give him an extension last year? I don't remember. Yes, last year, the year before, maybe. I mean, he's probably not making that much money, so it doesn't really matter. But, yeah, he's done. He'll be done after this year. So, I don't know. Pistons are unwatchable without Cade. And, I mean, Duren's had his moments. Ivy's had his moments, but they're both really young players, so it's not going to give you any super substance things. Killian has looked bad. I mean, Killian was great last night. That's the best I've ever seen Killian play. Um. I still think he's not an NBA player. I don't think he's the guy who fits on this roster. Um, so I, I'm curious to see what they do with him after this year. Um, the one thing that I've clearly Sadiq's three point shooting is the most disappointing part of this entire year. He can't shoot. 
Yeah, and they're, they're talking about trading him. supposed to be his biggest upside yeah, is his three-point shooting. He can't even shoot 35%. Like, I mean, that's a huge, huge – and I'm not saying – he's a nice player, but, like, for him to be – hit his ceiling, he needs to shoot the ball better, and he just simply has not done that, so – yeah, that's fair. And I guess my, my last thought on that is that's where I, you know, to go back to what we said earlier and Collins, I think you would agree with me here is that's where you would look at maybe like a change, not a change of scenery per se, because they were talking about trading him. And if they do that, I'll be pissed off. But if I they think trade they, him, they are complete idiots, by the way. Well, they You're just don't get any value for him. Right, right, right. You're going to get like a mid round pick and like not, not like a second round pick. I mean, and then you're, getting, you're basically getting a draft pick, hoping you can find another Sadiq Bay. Basically, exactly. Yeah. But what, what I was going to say was maybe a younger coach who's a little more, you know, nuanced in the player development scene, that kind of thing. That could benefit Sadiq Bay. I don't think he's lost whatsoever. He's had two great, not great, but two very, very solid seasons with the Pistons. And now the, the thought that he's just a rag doll, I, I don't buy it. But whatever. Well, yeah, he'll be fine. I just, yeah. I, he's not had a good year. Agree. All right, I'm more than fine moving on from Pistons at this point in the show. Um, let's talk a little bit of Tigers first, I guess, to to end off this first part of the pod. Um, Rabs, I mean, you haven't agreed in a while. I can't wait to agree about the Nets and we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, I guess on that on that note, we will open. I did want to touch on Miggy. I mean, it's it's not it's no surprise to anyone that he's basically come out and just said like, "This is my last year playing." It is. It is really he said nice. It that, last year, I don't know why people made a big deal. Yeah, about it. I mean, I guess it is like the the new caveat was that he said like he's interested in coming back as a coach or some type of whatever. Which great, like if Miggy wants to stay around the organization, I think that would be fantastic. The Tigers, the Tigers have never struck me as a team that's had this like incredible fraternity of like alumni that stick around. Like you know, like the obviously the Red Wings are a different story. You have. Lidstrom and Cronwall and Malpy and Draper and all these guys that stick around. I feel like they've kind of done that though in the last ten years though, Rabs. Well, with Jack Morris being being back in the booth and you know, I guess. Well, I mean, Al Kaline was with the Tigers his whole life. And yeah, sure. So maybe I've just completely missed. And Trammel, um, Trammel too. I feel like call. Willie Horton's always around. So, I think they. Um, I, I think that's like the one thing that Illiges do well. They treat former players well. Yeah, that's 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 fair. So whatever, it's good for Miggy. I I'm curious to see how much he gets to play this year. I'm sure it'll be pretty much entirely up to him of how much playing time he gets. But um, and it's going to be a an emotional season for him. And and I know a lot of people are going to want to go to the ballpark to see him play for the last time. Um, now we can get to the uh topic of of discussion that. Collins and I, I'm glad to hear we will agree on with this. Uh, the Detroit Tigers and Scott Harris's first big splash as general manager or president of baseball operations, whatever, at the helm of the Detroit Tigers, goes out and gets none other than Matthew Boyd coming back <laughs> on a one-year, $10 million deal as if this fan base has not been through enough already. And this is the first, first major move on – in the, in the tenure of Scott Harris here in Detroit. And as soon as Scott Harris has come through the door, I already want him to turn around and leave. I, I don't come understand on. this. Relax, I don't get it. Relax. Okay. At all. Not, don't go that far. I'm obviously it's a very tongue in cheek comment, but like, I just, I, I just, well, don't. listen, I, I, I think we texted about this briefly to give people full, full, full disclosure. So I think we, 
we all know what each other's take is. And here's the thing. I don't hate it. These two guys don't love it. So it's not like, it's not like anyone is dying on a hill here. My thing is, is you've got Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, who are both going to be, you know, missing. I mean, Mize is going to miss the whole year, maybe. And Skubal might be out until like August, they're saying. So that just really sucks. But then you're bringing back Spencer Turnbull off Tommy John. And you don't have like Michael Pineda anymore. You don't have, uh, I, I guess you're going to have Erod. So Collins and I talked about this months ago. We're like, they're going to have to go get a couple pitchers in free agency. And I don't know why Matthew Boyd is such a bad option. Did they overpay a little bit? Perhaps they've got money. So I don't really understand. I, I understand the great, it's a one-year deal. If he plays well, you could flip him too. I agree. I agree with that. Trent. I was just laughing. I was like, who are we bidding against? Who was giving Matthew Boyd $10 million? That's fair. I mean, fair. I mean, he, he literally pitched 13.1 innings last year out of the bullpen. That's 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 what Matthew Boyd is getting, ten million dollars. Well, he was hurt all last year, which is another reason why why is he getting ten million dollars to come over here and pitch? I, Ravs, I get that. The and I, I like Trent said, it's a one year deal. I don't, it's not the end of the world. The one thing that bothers me about it is, I I feel like the Tigers won't even have a discussion about trying to sign Justin Verlander, because the money is too much. And I'm like, you could give $10 million to Matt Boy on the flyer, but you can't, like, scrum up, like, a two-for-50 deal for JV. That will probably increase your value of your organization and team double, basically, for the next couple of years. Just that what he would bring back to that team. I That's the one thing. It's such a weird double standard. They're like, we're not willing to pay for Correa, but we're willing to pay $10 million for Matt fucking Boyd, who's been hurt and is at best on a good team, uh third or fourth guy, not even I wouldn't say. And well, the thing Collins, about Boyd, that, and that's that's where you hit the nail on the head. I don't think anyone disagrees there. Yeah, You're right. And and I think the whole logic and I saw something like this while he was with the San Francisco Giants, they did a really good job of bringing in older pitchers on maybe injuries or in on reclamation project, uh projects like Kevin Dawsman, um I think Matt Cain, a couple other guys that they had that they brought in after a previous stint with the team, and they were able to flip them or they were able to have career years and they were able to give themselves some asset. So maybe he knows a little bit better of that. Um, I just I I was just laughing. I was like, I don't understand who we were betting against, but hey, it is what it is. Whatever. I I know that they need they need some arms in the rotation. I understand it, but at the same time, it's like, I, I thought that we were going to get past this phase of just the band-aid stop gap starting pitching. And, and it just, it's a shame. Like, I mean, you're going to have what Matt I, Manning. Well, what you'll do you have mean? like, I don't, I just don't, I don't get why Matthew Boyd is the answer here. You're going to have Matt Manning. You'll have Erod. I'd like to think they give Joey Wentz a chance to start. I'd like to think they give Fiedo a chance to start. And you have Spencer Turnbull coming back from, from Tommy John surgery. And I, I'd like to see what he has on the table coming off of that surgery too. So it's like, if you're going to go out and get someone to fit, to plug a hole in a rotation, like get anyone better. Maybe a guy that didn't pitch out of the fucking bullpen last year and threw 13 innings and was hurt the entire year. Like, come on, man. I just, I don't, there is, and, and there's still a lot left to be seen with this team in the off season. And I don't mean to just bitch and moan. Like it's like, I know I'm doing at the moment, 
But I, I just like I I want something to be excited about to watch on the field this year. Something. And I'm not excited about anything. Literally, I, I do really. think I do think there's an element to it too, Rabs. That yeah, this being Scott Harris's first decision for not not his first decision. I mean, his decision to not bring back you know the Jamer Candelarios of the world that was a good decision. But for this to be like his first splash, as you put it, that that there's an element of it that like that stings a little bit because it's like really we're gonna bring back this guy that half the fan base wanted gone. A couple. The one thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say on this, if you guys have anything else to add, is. I th- there there obviously must have been some mutual interest there, and that probably played a part because Matthew Boyd, you know, say what you want. He loves Detroit. I think I just... that's another thing, too. And, and everything that I've – I mean, that any of us have heard is that Matthew Boyd is maybe, like, the perfect human being. Like, he is a really good person, and that's a guy you want around your young pitching staff. Um, And to be honest, he's not horrible. He really isn't. He just – the problem is the Tigers were trying to – the tri- the Tigers, he had value, and they didn't, like, jump and pounce on the opportunity to get value out of him and whatever. That's the thing that I think pissed people off about Boyd. But he is a serviceable pitcher, and and, and I get what you're saying, Rabs, but none of those guys have proven they can be healthy. So you have to go out and get a couple veteran guys. And I'm not saying, like, you, you clawed the rotation with the Mike Fires or, uh, uh like, Brad Penny stop gaps, like, like Boyd, there's actually like some sort of reward if he pans out and plays really well and say this team's not in the playoff hunt, you can deal him. And if he's good, you can just re-sign him on probably a club-friendly deal because he likes the organization. So, I don't know. Fair enough. That's our Tigers news. And it sounds like they're going to try to move Torkelson to third. Is that what I've – have you guys have been hearing this? Have you seen this? Have you heard of this? He can't even play fucking first. I, I try – I hear you, and I get yelled at by Uncle Steve when I say that, but – where Whatever, are they going to move the first, though? I don't know. Scope? But Scope's Scope good. pretty like, good defensively. Can, I know. He days. can play second. I just, I, I just don't. If Scope if Scope starts the year a month in and he's batting 150, I'll, I will They'll DFA protest outside the stadium. Um, but, okay, that can, wrap up, uh, that can wrap up Tigers for us this week. All right, we'll move into uh, some Red Wings here before we end the show with Tigers as we normally do. Um, there's been Lions. a lot of Wings. Huh? With Lions, move the, and the show yes. with Lions. Yeah. Yes, we'll end the show. What did I say? Tigers. Did I really? Yes. I don't know if I, <laughs> I, just... I, don't know if I did. <laughs> I don't... We'll have to review okay. the tape. Okay, Um, But nonetheless, right. uh, we'll do some quick Wings. Um, I guess, I mean, there, there's a lot of games to cover, um, but – I think the biggest storyline for the Red Wings right now and what I want to focus on is, and I, I believe I said this at the beginning of the beginning of the season, or at least a couple weeks ago, where if this Red Wings team could get themselves to be in a playoff spot come Thanksgiving, there's some stat out there that like 70 to 75 or 80% of teams in the NHL that are in a playoff spot come Thanksgiving end up making the playoffs. And the Red Wings were just that come November 25th. Um, As we sit right now here on December 2nd, the Red Wings are currently in fourth place in the Atlantic division. Um, They have 27 points. They're two points behind Tampa Bay with one less game played. Um, it, It is kind of a tricky situation in the Atlantic. I mean, I talk about it all the time of the Atlantic probably being the best division in hockey, 
Um, and I would say that's that probably holds true for this year as well. Um, Boston is on a absolute tear right now with 38 points. They're, they're, they're a the break best the record, record, probably, right? I mean, if they continue on this pace, and that's the thing of like if they, they haven't lost stay, at home. Sure, they have not lost at home. And if they can stay healthy, I mean they're they're like that good. They're playing that well. Um, and it's just amazing how like the roster looks relatively the same. They get David Krejci back from overseas, and this is not a Bruins podcast, so I'll I'll quit the rambling on the Bruins. But the point being is they've been unbelievable. So that's a team that nobody's gonna catch this year. I, I don't even think, I mean. Toronto's in second place right now with 35 points, but I, I just don't see any scenario where the Bruins slow down all that drastically. And Toronto always seems to go through these spells of where people are like, oh my gosh, the Leafs are a mess. And then, you know, they're at the end of the day, they're 15, five and five. So I don't think anyone can blame them. Um, the wings are, Tam- are, are chasing Tampa Bay, as I said right now, but other than that, I mean, this this really all comes down to like like fate is in the Red Wings' hands right now. They sort of control their own destiny with the, with this division. I mean, they're they're right in the mix. Buffalo and, and you just lose to Buffalo in a shootout the other night at LCA um, after coming off a loss from uh, at the hands of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that was a four two final on Monday. Um, so those are those are two tough games to drop. At least you get a point out of Buffalo, but. Um, I, I don't think that Buffalo and Ottawa are going to be anywhere really, really near contention this year again. Like Buffalo had a really, really nice start and the wheels fell off the wagon and they fell off hard. And like they were just I think they lost eight straight. And, you know, granted, they're only they're only six points out of you know, away from you as the wings with two more games played. But I would be more concerned with teams like Montreal and Florida. Um, I don't know if I, I, it almost has this feeling with Florida, like their window might have closed. Like when they were, you know, they played Tampa Bay last year. I'm, I think last year, I might be thinking of two years ago, they played Tampa in the playoffs and that was a big test for them. I'm like, okay, you know, this Panthers team has been getting better and better and they're really solid. And you have Barkov and Huberto and Ekblad and, you know, your goaltending's pretty strong. What can you do for me now? And they didn't, they didn't get the job done. So their window might've is might be closing faster than, then we know it, but um, I, I mean, I think you can just, you, you can walk away from, from what we've seen from the wings so far of, you know, they're, they're seven, three and three at home. Um, they're, they're goal differential. They're at a plus two right now, which like that's been the story of the wings for the last handful plus of years of just, you know, how, how bad they are defensively and just letting up so many goals and not really filling the net. Well, to have a plus two goal differential doesn't seem like much, when you're looking at a team like Boston's, who's is plus 40. Um, but it's a really positive note for the wings going forward here. A couple other things just to touch on real quick. Um, as far as goaltending is concerned, I think it's been, and I, I said this again, I, I've been saying this all along, but this is Billy Huso's net. Ned hadn't played in like two or three weeks until he ended up coming in that game um, against Toronto, where they, they pulled Huso out of that game. Um, and Ned gets the nod again against Buffalo and they lose that one in a shootout. It, it's, it's just, it's unfortunate because I really thought that this was going to be a year that Ned was going to take another step and maybe push Houston for that starting job. And, and, and again, very serviceable backup. I'm not, there, there's no, there's no qualms about him being on this roster. Like he's just costing you games, but you are, you are 
giving a lot less of a chance to win when he's in net. Most oh, of he the was time. terrible against Buffalo on Wednesday. And, and, and it's like those games like that, Collins, I feel like you see more like that. Like when I think of Ned, like those are the games I think of. I think of like Minnesota last year with him essentially scoring on himself. I think of, you know, Buffalo, as you said, of just like every time he's in net, it's like like four or five goals automatic against. And it's just not good enough. And And I think that the coaching staff knows that. And, you know, Ned probably knows his place at this point of like, I'm not the starting guy. And the, you see the Wings go out and make a waiver claim for Magnus Helberg, who the Wings actually brought over from, I'm pretty sure, the SHL, uh, maybe the KHL, wherever they brought Magnus Helberg over from last year. And they ended up going to Seattle in this offseason, and they put a waiver claim in for him. And Helberg was actually pretty solid this year in Seattle. The tricky thing with them is they, you know, they hit Martin Jones, who kind of came out of nowhere this year and really redeemed himself. He hasn't been great as of late, but between him and Philip Grubauer, like those are your two goalies in Seattle. They didn't have room for Magnus Helberg, so he comes back over, who's in a conditioning stint in the AHL right now. Um, so really, I, I I do almost think the writing is on the wall of they still want to showcase Ned a little bit. And depending on where this team is at come the trade deadline, I could see Nadalkovich being a guy that's flipped over to a team that is in playoff contention, that's go, that's going to make a playoff push, that maybe you're dealing with goaltending injuries or don't have a really solidified backup for whatever reason. And then you have Magnus Helberg, you can call back up and, and, you know, let, let him finish out the year um, as a backup. I, I, I think another part of that too, is, is you haven't really seen what you were hoping for out of your goaltenders in the AHL between Victor Brotstam and, and UC Oak and Ura. Um and I think if if they may have been a bit sharper this year, those are two guys that you would feel comfortable with bringing either one of those guys up to play that role that Helberg's going to play on this team. Um, Philip Ronick, I'm going to eat my eat some crow a little bit here on him. I mean, it's just been on an absolute offensive tear for this team. And my criticisms with him have always been his defensive play. But when you're playing as well as he is offensively, um, you know, and that that pair with him and Oli Mata, who has slowed down a bit offensively himself, Mata, but um, nonetheless, they're, they're having a really a, a pretty solid year as far as that pairing is concerned. Um, still kind of disappointing with Mo Sider. Um, I, I think that everyone is, you know, maybe you could call it a sophomore slump, but it, it his, you know, his plus minus rating has not been very good at all. Um, every now and then you, you find him back on the score sheet, you know, especially on the power play, getting some power play points, but, um, you know, you haven't seen what you saw out of him last year. Um, that's for sure. And I don't, I don't know what it is. You can just chalk it up to a sophomore slump, but, um, they get Bertuzzi back who seems to be, you know, hurt again. So he goes right back to the, I don't know if he's, if he's officially on the IR, but, Still looking to get some guys healthy. You're still missing Jacob Vrana. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I, I think these pieces that you brought over in Dominic Kubelik and David Perron, um, even in Andrew Kopp, who hasn't been on the score sheet, as you'd like to see. Um, but it's it's a much better team. Um, they, you know, they you you see some periods out of them where it's like, wow, this team has really, really taken a jump. Um, Jonathan Bergeron's been great uh, in the role that he plays on this team. So um, it looks like he's only going to continue to get better and be a really solid bottom to middle six guy for your team. Um, and outside of that, I mean, I don't think you can complain very much. Like I said, they're seven, three and three at home. So fans at LCA have a lot to, uh, a lot to cheer about. They've, they've seen some, some, some solid wins this year. And um, you know, the schedule only gets tougher as you have to play, you know, keep playing your Boston's and Toronto's and, and get inside your division a bit more. So 
Um, we'll see, but I think it's been positive so far. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts, but uh, when Sider went down on Wednesday, I was a little concerned, but came back into that game. Um, you're right, I, Sider. It it just feels like he's played tight all year. I don't even know how to describe it. It just has not played at the same flow and, and, and rhythm that he played with last year. You know what I mean, Rabs? Like it, just his pace yeah. has just been off this entire year. Um, is what it is. I mean, they've gotten help from the forwards. Um, I think that's probably the deepest they've been in all four oh, lines sure. in a really long time. For sure. So that's. I, I, I'm not going to add that I watch every single game, but I probably watch a game a week, and every time I watch the Wings, the one thing is Nadelkovic might be the worst short-side goalie, I think, in America. Everything <laughs> thrown at that guy's short side is in. It's a joke. Um, Other than that, I mean, can't be mad about where they are right now. Um, And they're primed to get a couple of guys back. It yep. seems like Pertuzzi's done, though, right? I don't know what the I didn't really read read a lot into what this newest injury is, but he's on um, the IR. Is he back on the IR? Well, great. I mean, it, what it, does it the IR sucks. NHL mean? Does, is there a c- certain amount of weeks you have to be on it? Um, uh, that's a good question. I mean, there's long term long term IR. I think carries a certain amount of days that you can't be activated for, but um. I, I think IR, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I, it's a good question. I don't know what the specific day amount is, but uh, it, it's not, when I hear IR in the NHL, I don't necessarily like think like he's out for five months. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'll it be just sucks. Yeah. Well, I, said, uh, I think he'll be dealt this year. I really do. I don't think he ends the year on the Red Wings. Yeah, as it's time goes on and the injury thing definitely plays a part of it. It's just unfortunate that he can never seem to stay healthy. And um it, it's this is a year two where it's like you really wanted to just see what he brings with a deeper team and you know, maybe not asking him to play on that first line because you have other guys that you can play with Raymond and and, and Larkin. And to be honest, I think you know, Lucas Raymond doesn't necessarily have to be on that first line anymore. I mean, since you're so deep now, I don't think that you have to put that onus on him. I think in due time, it can definitely stay in that role and be a mainstay, but they've been able to play around with lines a pretty good amount. And it's, it seemed to work out on that top, on that top line. I think you kind of know who you expect night in night out. And, but yeah, as far as Bertuzzi is concerned, it's, it's an unfortunate situation because it is a contract year. I really like his game, but you can't stay healthy. And, you know, if anything, the wings get him back, bring him back the next year or however many years for cheap because you haven't seen much out of them. But um, I think that's a, that's enough for, for today, for the, for the wings. Um, we can do some lions. I know it's been a while since the Thanksgiving game, but the lions obviously drop a tough one to the Buffalo bills, 28 to 25 on Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I thought they played hard. I thought they worked. Um, they never quit. They were in the game. Another game that you can probably look at and go like, yeah, that that's a game that they should have won. And in typical Lions fashion at the end there, I mean, it's just like I the writing was so on the wall. That's why it was so hard for me to like get a invested, be disappointed because I knew like I've, I've seen the same song and dance a million times. Whatever was on the clock, 23, 30 seconds, whatever was way too much time for Josh Allen with three timeouts. It takes one throw 40 yards down the field. And the game was essentially over. So 
Um, I know it sounds like people have some feelings about this game and the coaching, which, you know, I have my own opinions on as well, but um, for the sake of time and, and just how far this game has been away now, we can, I'll, I'll throw it over to you guys. If you guys want to add anything. Um, I honestly think, and people can differ. Like, I think the argument became after this game, why did they throw that deep shot in third and one? And that was the thing I did not have a problem with. The whole management. I didn't either, Collins. I didn't either. The whole management of the clock from like a minute 40 to 50 seconds was some of the worst coaching I've seen in a football game. And anyone who wants to be like, oh, they wanted for the kill shot, they were at their own, they were at like the 40 yard line. You can you can wind clock if you get inside Buffalo's red zone, you idiots, you morons. It, it was like that was my biggest. I, the way they managed the clock was elementary. I, uh, like I, I could do a better. I can't believe when Ahmad St. Brown and I know they got the time back, but in the moment when he gets that first down and we didn't call a timeout, I I literally put my shirt off in family Thanksgiving, ran up the stairs and was screaming at the TV because I couldn't even handle it. I don't understand what the fuck Campbell was doing. And the one thing, I'll say it before I'm about to say what I'm going to say. He gets the guys played up. They, I, I do think they have good game plans coming into the week. I do like his offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. I think Aaron Glenn ha- has managed some of the weak spots of this defense. I, I, I like parts of this coaching staff. But if you can't manage a game... Don't be a fucking head coach. Stay, stay as a coordinator because, and, and don't hire these guys. It's fucking insane the way that game was managed. And, and Ravs was all pissed off about the way they handled the first half. And I, I, I didn't have as big of a problem with that. I mean, Ravs can get into that if he wants to. But the clock management at the end of that football game was preposterous. I didn't hate the play calling. They had Shark. They just didn't make that play. That play should have been made. And they didn't make it. I, I, the clock management the last two minutes of that football game was egregious. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree there. I will say when I'm when I'm one of my weaknesses as a fan is when I am in the stadium. I don't even pay attention to that stuff. Like I, I always, I, I never know how many timeouts we have, even though it's right there. To say, I just Dan, Dan Campbell doesn't either, so you're not alone. Yeah. Well, look, I think the solution there is he's got to get a guy that that does that. That like certain head how, coaches have that's that. his job. You got to get a, a no, guy to do his job. I, I understand. No, no, just there some guys. I think Mike McCarthy has one have, have a guy like a like a literal coach whose job is just to watch the clock. Like that's literally his job. The clock management is that guy's job. Like I don't know what you call it. I don't a clock management coach. I, I don't I don't know. But I'm not going to disagree with you. I just to talk about the game. I guess in a bigger picture, you can't really be upset with how the team played, and I know no one is, so I won't, you know, go into all that. But you know, another another game that you know the Lions can probably win in a year, and I know it's always next year with the Lions. It's always next year. It's always what they're building for the future, and they got you know all this all these aces up their sleeve and shit. I understand that people are sick and tired of hearing that, but they are still just a couple players away. The defense is bad, but it's not bad because of a lack of talent. It's bad because of a lack of experience. And you just, these are the growing pains that you have to get through. That three game win streak was going to come to an end at some point. You now look at, you know, a schedule where you have the Jacksonville Jaguars, the reeling New York Jets on the schedule. You get to play the Bears again at your own place. You get to play 
uh, the Vikings at your own place. Like there are winnable games still on the schedule. And at this point, it, it's really just about, to me, it's about hitting that Vegas seven wins. That's what, that's what the rest of the season is really about. I'm not going to say the season's over because in every playoff picture graphic, the lions are in the hunt. They've got them right there at four and seven. They have tiebreakers over some of these teams like the Washington commanders that you're going to be vying against. So in the New York giants. So that's a big deal, but I, I don't know the the game itself. I like the game plan. I like the way the Lions played. Uh, Jamison Williams is coming back at some point. I think that's really going to be a big shot in the arm for the team. So I, I we haven't seen the best Lions product that we're going to see this year yet, and they're still losing by three to the Super Bowl favorite uh, Buffalo Bills. I know that, that that the Bills you know have slid a little bit as of late. Um, but yeah, you just can't be upset with the product. That's all I'm saying. It was a good game. It was a while ago as Rabs put, so I don't have a ton of takes on the actual game itself, but I'm just, I'm proud of the way the lions played. And I think it bodes well for the future. And I know people are sick of me saying that. So I'll stop talking now. Yeah. My last couple things, um, wearing the gray jerseys on Thanksgiving is embarrassing. They are uh, well, the gray jerseys. Gotta get, they gotta the get rid of the guys. Why do we have them? I, I hear you. They, we don't wear them. I literally great, I, like whoever's decision that is needs to be executed. Oh my god, that's like a Ryan Rabinowitz comment. But I the gray jerseys in person are some of the worst looking jerseys ever. Like it's not even they're not even like silver. It's like legitimately just like bad gray. No stripe on the pants. That's bad. I'm just going through some of my texts that I was that I was sending you guys. Oh, Will Harris had one of the worst games an individual has ever had in a football game before. Well, he ever. Stinks. He's shocked. I mean, he I I actually can't believe he wasn't cut. There, I know they're so depleted on on defense, but like as far as the secondary is concerned, but I mean, legitimately one of the worst games I've ever seen any human being have. Will Harris. So I, this will probably be his last year in the league. Um, I would hope. Um, what else? Yeah. I mean, look, the clock, man, it is like, and I, the, the biggest thing that I, as far as Collins, what he alluded to in the first half, the, the week before against Chicago, when Chicago was driving on you to end the first half and you went to the locker room with all of your timeouts in your pocket and you had a really, really nice return after Chicago scored. And you only had 12 seconds left to get to the end zone and get points. And because you didn't, you didn't use any timeouts, like Buffalo uses, I texted you guys, Buffalo used all their timeouts in that situation when the lions were driving down the field at the end of the second half. And I'm pretty sure they got the ball back and at least got three, like they got points. So that's another example to me of just poor clock management and not really understanding how to coach a football game. So that stuff's frustrating. Um, The, the, the halftime show was embarrassing. I, I, like it just it doesn't even make me want to go back to Thanksgiving games ever again. That halftime show sucked. Um, people were booing that halftime show, by the way. Um, I was a fan. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and then it comes, then it, then, then the game really comes down to whatever way you want to slice it at the end of the game there of the clock management. He didn't call timeout, whatever, yada, yada, yada. I, I, the play call on third and one was absolutely fine. I, I know we can do all the, hindsight 2020 thing of like, Oh, St. Brown was open. James Mitchell was open down the seam. Yeah, I get it. The bottom line is your quarterback's ass. Um, the, DJ shark. Like if that ball's thrown two yards in front of him, the game's over. If it gets actually like thrown at him, 
and golf threw the ball five to ten yards short. So the quarterback's awful. I know we can we can we do this every week. I'm not going to get into it, and that's just kind of how the game went. So whatever. I mean, you hung in the game. It's, it's fine. the Lions. They always find a way to lose, and the Bills are a good team, and they find a way to win. And they did that, and they have an unbelievable quarterback that who didn't do shit in that game, but took them down the field when it mattered, and they won the game. So I, um, I do want to add said, this. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to add this. I've been to two Lions Bills games now, one in Orchard Park, one in Detroit. I have I, I'm, I'm 0-2. I have zero disdain for the Bills or their franchise or their fans. Awesome fans. They, they like to awesome. get after it. They're a lot there of fun. There was a shit ton of Bills fans at that. Yeah, game. it was incredible. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because of obviously the situation last week with them, you know, playing in Detroit. And then of course, I didn't realize this. I guess I never put two and two together because I'm an idiot when it comes to geography and stuff like that. Buffalo. And, you know, it's close to Canada. There's a bunch of Canadian fans that come down to to, to watch the yeah. Bills play in Detroit. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're cool fans. Um, they were – and I think they – it was kind of a game-recognized game thing because they didn't expect that game to be close, and the Lions kept it close. And I think they have some respect for the Lions, uh, Lions fandom now. But nonetheless, uh, Jaguars at Lions this week at Ford Field. The game's at 1 o'clock. Um, currently it's a, it's a pick them right now. The over under is, is 51. Um, I guess I will start. Let me pull up, uh, I'll pull up our stats here real quick. I think it's I a legitimate pick them right now. It's a legitimate pick them. Trent, you are 12 and eight Collins. You are 11 and nine. I am also 12 and eight. I'm going to take the lions. If it's a pick them, I, 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 I would like to think that they get, they get some extra rest. Um, they get off the mat here. They come back in front of their home crowd. It was a great home crowd last week. And this, to me, like if you lose this game, um, you know, and you move to four and eight, I don't, I don't know how excited people can be for the rest of the year. I know you're still in the hunt. I get that, but this is a game that you that you have to win. The Jaguars are feisty. I'm gonna take the over fifty one here. Um, actually, take that back. I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under because I'd like to think that your Lions defense against a young quarterback can can limit what they can do offensively. And that Jaguars defense is real, and they cause some problems. So I'm going to take the under 51, and I'll take the Lions. Lions and under. Um, Jaguars are awful on the road. They're terrible on the road. So uh, I crunched a little numbers for you guys, I guess, for this one. Both these teams are top 10 offenses in the NFL by yards per game standards. The Jags are ninth. Lions are eighth. The Lions are one spot ahead of the Jaguars in every offensive category almost. It's crazy. I went and looked. Uh, but, you know, ultimately the Lions score 25 points a game. The Jags score 22. That tells you the Lions are about a field goal better. And then you add to that. The Lions might have Jameson Williams back. They might have Romeo Aquara back. As we record right now, Dan Campbell says he hasn't made a decision on that quite yet. It is Friday. I'm sure we'll know by tomorrow whether those guys are playing or not. But also, big big piece of uh, information here, Travis Etienne hurt his foot uh, in the last game that the Jaguars played. I don't even know who they played, but whatever. He's there. He's their bell cow. He's their bell cow back. He is questionable. If he does play, he'll be on a pitch count. Sounds familiar with DeAndre Swift. But we have Jamal Williams. So I like this game to go under, actually. I like the Lions to win comfortably. But uh, I don't really think there will be a whole lot of moving the ball here because both these teams rely on the run. I just think the Jaguars' run game is a little too depleted. Revenge game for DJ Chark, potentially. Also, spin zone revenge game for Marvin Jones, potentially. It'll be awesome to have him back in Ford Field. But the, the other big thing people are talking about is Aiden Hutchinson and, and Trayvon Walker and that whole situation from the draft. This is just a fun game with a few uh, unique storylines, I guess. But I like the Lions and I like the under. 
All right, sweet. Um, let's do the picks. I actually won one last week, guys. My mortal lock. I mean, mortal locks. I said we should do. Never mind. Sorry. Um, Trent, you're five and seven. Collins, you're nine and three. You've been crushing it. I am four and eight with the win last week. TCU minus ten. I think I had them. Um, no brainer. So, uh, conference championship weekend. Um, we didn't talk about Michigan State football because there's nothing to talk about. They're awful. Um, big win for Michigan. Unbelievable game. Good, like good for them. Um, I guess they're playing in the Big Ten championship. Cool. Um, Mortal Locks, what do you guys have for me? Um, I've got a World Cup bet for you. I, I and I'll make this I'll make this quick because I got to get out of here and I'll let you guys close out the show. But I just I, both teams to score tomorrow for U.S. Netherlands is plus one eighteen. That is a that is an absolute lock. I know the U.S. only has I think it's is it two goals from the entire group stage. I don't know. Yep. I, I just all I'm saying is at some point the dam's got to break. I love some of the speed up front. I love Timothy Way. I love Christian Pulisic is playing, of course. So I like, I like both teams to score being plus one eighteen. I think that's pretty good value, and and we'll we'll have a good game. All I can ask for is a good game. Go U.S. Um, All right, noted. Purdue plus seventeen against Michigan in the Big Ten title game. Um, really, I don't. Michigan's in the playoff. They have like zero motivation for this. Winning the Big Ten is a motivation, but you lose Blake Corum. They've had some off the st- off the field stuff with Mozzie Smith this week. Um, it just feels like a game where Michigan kind of comes out flat in the first half, and they'll figure it out. No win, but Purdue covers with ten. I know Aiden O'Connell's playing with a heavy heart this week, but I, I, I Purdue will be jacked up for this game. This is the biggest football game Purdue's had in what ever Could since be. not ever, but it's the biggest football game they've had since Drew Brees, and then went to the Rose Bowl. So that's fair. Um, I'm going to stay on that same vein, Collins. I actually uh, agree with you. I didn't, I, I really do think that Michigan will blow this open at some point, but I, I do think that, you know, Purdue's not here very often. Uh, Michigan blew their wad last week against Ohio state and deservedly. So um, they will win this game, but I will take the Purdue Boilermakers first half I'm trying to look right now at exactly what that line is, and I'll I'll find it before we get off here because I want to make sure it's on the record. Um, where is this game? Here it is. Let's see what the first half is, Collins, because I I I don't hate it. Where is it? First, I'll half. assume it's like seven and a half. First, oh, nine and a half, easy. Nine and a half. Purdue, Purdue, first half plus nine and a half. And by the Thank way, Purdue's offense, I mean, defense is awful. So Michigan's in a store and stuff. I just said the Michigan defense won't be that sharp to start the game. I really don't. What uh, What happened to Aiden O'Connell? His uh, older brother died. Really? Yes. That sucks. And it, it seems, I don't want to speculate, but it, uh, not great way. Ah, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. But, all right, well, thoughts out to him. That's yep. that's terrible. But, um. Good episode today. Uh, pretty exciting week coming up for college football fans with the conference championships. Big Lions game on Sunday to keep them in the hunt. Um, but that's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. For Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Join the conversation with us on Twitter at Motown underscore Rundown. We're also on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We are exclusively on Spotify for the time being. New episodes every single week. 
Thank you guys for listening. We love you very much. We'll see you next time.